1: We're going to kick off this episode of Fight Game Podcast Extra with an old friend whose podcast with Fumi Saito. Write That Down is going to move away from the Fight Game Media Network. Justin Nipper, you guys have been with us since the very beginning. A little bit of a... a, It's not even sad for me because... I just want you guys. Thanks, man. Well, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I just want you guys to be able to do what you want. You know, like I don't, I don't want to be a hurdle in any way. And I know with the way that we structure our network, it's like it's a weekly show, and you know, in order to do a show which you've been doing with Fumi, who is in Japan, so it's you know, like a different schedule. It's It's a different time zone for sure. And and yet you guys created like fantastic shows and. You know it's it's not like a goodbye for us cuz you know we'll, we'll still do stuff together i'm sure you'll be pulled into different shows and uh, asked to to join and, and do some stuff but yeah I, i'm going to miss you know having having that show cuz you guys were our first really big needle mover and have always been the most consistent show when it comes to downloads and it's literally talking japanese history with one of the best people to talk about that. So that I thought that was very unique. And you had a specific way of hosting that show of, you know, trying to guide Fumi and then just let him go. And then he just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and and you wait for him to stop and then you pop in and and add enough. So yeah, I'm going to miss that. And uh, but I wanted to give you the opportunity just to kind of, you know, check in and make sure that people know that you guys are good and possibly still doing some stuff down the line.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean by like not sad because it's not like the show isn't going away. It's we just we were talking just before the scheduling and our, our lives are different from what we started doing this I think it was during the pandemic. Time. Yeah, and that changed life changed back Very to kind so. of
1: what it was and and so it's a little harder to to have the free time
0: that we once did. And in Japan, things just this spring caught up to the rest of us in terms of like, uh, restrictions, regulations on what to do outside and going to work and such. So, uh, like for example, Fumi's back on the schedule teaching at college campuses, like on the campus in the classrooms. He also is working on a Ricky Dozan book right now and the deadlines are getting tighter. So unfortunately we just can't uh, meet that breakneck publishing speed of fight game media. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it, it's, we plan on doing what we do. It's just we need to, um, what's the word, re Yeah. And so that it fits. So, like you said, the the time difference is a kicker too, man. Sometimes A lot of the times I was recording these shows over here, it was like 2 a.m. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just... But I think we banged out at least more than 100 shows. Oh, my gosh. We had... The
1: Patreon originally, we were releasing these originally on the Patreon, and then we moved over to the Free Network. And you there were times where you would dig back into the archives because for whatever reason you guys couldn't record. And so we released a few uh some of those episodes originally on the Patreon, also on the free feed. But yeah, like we're I don't even like I, I would have to go back and see some of the dates in which we first posted, but it's definitely been uh, over two years, so that would be at least a hundred episodes. I think.
0: I think it's just sometimes we'll spend almost a month on one person. Mm-hmm. Like we did that with the Inoki was like five part. It's like <laughs> seven hours of stuff. It was... Baba's was like four hours. Muto's was long, so that's kind of what it, it seems. It's, it just feels different than other shows. Cause the topics we don't stray too much. Yeah. Like we try to keep it. Like we're still talking about the person, but it's like chronological. It's just a different flow. Yeah. And it's, it's evergreen, right? It That's doesn't, the idea too. it
1: doesn't age. It's, you, you know, somebody could find the show and be like, Oh, I want to download all of these episodes because it, it's a, it's a subject that I'm very interested in. And you don't, it's not a timely thing like that those five episodes of Anoki are going to still be worthy of people listening to in 10, 20 years, you know? And, and so that, that I think that's what was kind of unique and, and also really, really great about your guys' show is you, anybody could just sort of grab it and, and, and listen to it. You didn't have to listen to it exactly when the time you guys publish it, it could just be whenever people had the opportunity or whenever folks found you. So um, I know that, you know, when I first, when you and I first got together to do this, you were still doing some stuff for F4W.
0: Do you even, I don't even know if you do, do you do anything with those guys right now? I was, uh, Nason asked me to do one of the Rampage shows, like a fill-in recently. I just couldn't do it. I, I just, I realized that I didn't, ha- I had TBS, but I didn't have TNT. Oh, God. And you. it was on TNT that night. Right. Or, so. I get, It
1: is a TNT show.
0: Yeah, I, for some reason I thought it was on TBS, but I'm I. Anytime they need me, they they hit me up and let me know. It's just again, scheduling or not having TNT. But but I mean, you know, think about the
1: project that we took on, which is which was, uh, pandemic, post pandemic. We're like, okay, what are we gonna try and do? Like, let's try and build the website back up. And and then we did that, and we we got people writing. You know, people were writing a lot of stuff. You you had written. The piece on um, uh, uh, the the Joshi uh, woman who passed away, back- oh, Hanikamura, and like that was uh, like a three or four parter, and yeah. I know you put a ton of effort into that, and that was kind of like, wow, like we're actually producing really good content and people are reading it and it would, I mean, it wasn't scalable in any way. It was during the pandemic. So I just wanted people to have something to do and, you know, make a little cash on the side. And then out of that came the the podcast idea and, you know, we did that and it was just these, you know, these two big projects, but I was talking to someone today, the pandemic seems like it was like five years ago for for me for some reason. And I think it's just because we do so much stuff that, It just feels like a kind of like a lifetime ago, but it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago when we were doing all this stuff. And, you know, now you have uh, a new job and, you know, you're busy with uh, with Noah and such. And so I I don't know. it's It's kind of like a nice like I have a nice memory of that point in time where it was kind of a terrible thing for society. But we kind of created something out of that. And it's nice to, you know, to think back on that.
0: No, I mean, it was our, like, everybody that we've been working with over the past couple of years, it was, like, all of our woodshed time. It was all, like, I was able, I didn't even plan on doing podcasts. It was more like, I remember, especially, there was a chance there was the G1 that was um, not in front of any, it was still during the pandemic, and I remember uh, uh, Carlos Toro and I, Mm -hmm. we did pretty much every day, we did the G1 cast. That's right, it wasn't on the Patreon. It was on the regular feed as like a bonus fight game show. But that was That's where, right. like, I mean, Carlos, I think he had more experience than me at that point. But we were doing it pretty much every day because there was nothing else for us to do. <laughs> and we did the whole, the whole tournament. And it was just like that stuff like that, or like Ryan Frederick always turned in a great Monday article. Yeah, like like meaty too. And he like if you're a writer out there he's so uh what's the word like reliable Mm -hmm. like his the proof is in the pudding absolutely like every week he's turning it like as an editor it's like it helped me grow because i const i got somebody that was so consistent Mm -hmm. and it was really cool that like it's like wow i'm working with a pro it's cool not to say everybody was great but everybody was different too and what Ryan yeah. was doing what Ryan was doing was very particular and like writing a 500 to 700 word piece that's like fun and about pro wrestling that's cool but it's different it's a different technique almost what Ryan mm-hmm. was doing was just he had scoops in those articles. Yeah. That's where I was kidding him. You know, <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh, damn, that's some cool news. I didn't know about that." And then you hear about it two days later, three days later. I'm like, "Hey, yeah. I Ryan told me that a couple of days ago." But like, I think that woodshed time is like sharpening our tools, and yeah. uh, because a lot of the stuff I do at NOAA, it's not it's not exactly the same, but my approaches are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think everybody I was like I love seeing Mike and JD's writing like JD like opened up a new door oh, yeah. writing about wrestling it's like for me when I I knew for me it was no brainer but like it's he's so good at it like Mike's impact stuff got so tight by the mm-hmm. end I mean it kind of transferred over to the show but I mean that was that's something that we learned too like people that like impact really like impact yeah and there there is a A crowd a market for it yeah despite like whatever people want to you know talk smack about it's just like that's what it was and that was really interesting to like they capitalized on it that's awesome and fight game was like an incubator for all that kind of cool stuff
1: i i like that word a lot the incubator um and that approach because you know i i always tell everyone i'm like like we do stuff but it's not set in stone. Like we got to figure out what works, what doesn't work. We got to experiment. We got to move fast. Um, and we have, you know, we have this YouTube channel and, you know, the show that's replacing write that down. Cause we need a specific amount of shows in the feed to kind of keep our downloads up. That show is created sort of in an incubator style through the YouTube channel. It was like, Hey, like two guys want to do a podcast. Well, we don't have room in the feed. So we'll let them do it on YouTube. YouTube is just, like, infinite. Like, there's not too much content for YouTube. And, you know, they did, like, a year, I think, of shows. God, it's been long. And and it's based on New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? So it's, like, that beat. Now it's not history. There's no Fumi. Like, nobody has the knowledge of Fumi. Fumi's forgotten more about wrestling than than I'll ever know. But at the same time, we were able to kind of keep the – the, the Japanese wrestling beat in the feed because you, you know, you want variety. You want, you know, you don't want seven WWE shows. You want one WWE show and then you want an AEW show. Then you want a Japanese wrestling show. And then you want kind of like, you know, Mike and JD kind of hit some of the other stuff, but th- their show in of itself is kind of like, you know, if you thought of what a, what a morning show would be for like that kind of style, that's what they do. And mine's a little bit more interview, you know, I'm going to bring in more people. So, You know, you want to have that variety and, you know, you guys, I I really consider your show with Fumi as like the the real standout, like our first ever standout show from that feed and attracted more ears to other shows because they subscribed to the network. And I think a lot of people subscribed for write that down. So I appreciate that from from both of you. Um, But, you know, the other thing when it comes to running uh, this network now, you know, we're, we're still really at the beginning stages of this and who knows, you know, you you never know with the, with people's schedules and work. And you know, I think people, at least the podcasters on our side, you know, they value what they do and they value being a part of something. So I don't think anybody's, you know, necessarily going, Oh, you know, Justin and Fumi left. I think it's time for me to leave. I think they just feel like, Oh, you know, we, you know we're going to lose a, a big show, so we got to kind of improve our thing and 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 make sure that we don't lose the downloads that when you when you lose kind of that that big show, the tentpole show of the week. But uh, as far as what you guys are doing, uh, do you sense like and 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 this is a, this is a passion project for you and Fumi. This is not your job. It's not his job. He he loves talking about this stuff, and I know you love talking to him. But have you thought about like? Could you actually take this elsewhere? Like, I don't know if like Fumi has connections for you know, outside of Dave, obviously, but he does a show with Jim Valley already on, on F4W. But I, I do wonder if like, you know, maybe someone who's not looking for necessarily a weekly show, but like a monthly historical show. I do wonder if you guys could like shop
0: it elsewhere. That and we've talked about adding a more video element to it um we just need time because this kind of came it, it officially came recently but we just need more time to to talk about it yeah to talk about what we want to do what works and i don't know what's better or worse is it better if i'm on location and we do it like a one shot mm-hmm. or like the overseas thing production is limited to certain quality yeah um what kind of foot we want to start using footage in the video stuff too but it's it's still a lot of planning a lot of planning and but on the other hand it's like with speaking a strong style show it fills the void but also it's like what better time to put it on than right before the g1 yeah
1: no it it was time it was good timing on that and it was just like you know you and i we had had a conversation a few weeks ago it was getting a little harder for you to, to get the weekly stuff. And I was like, and then you told me, you're like, Hey, I'm kind of running out of the classic content too. And I was like, okay, well we can, you know, maybe we can do once a month, we can do the speaking of strong style and you guys do three, three weeks out of the month. But then, you know, I could just sort of sense from you, you're like, yeah, it's just going to be a lot harder to, to get the weekly show. And so at that point, you know, we're friends. So it's just like, you don't want to hold us back and I don't want to, you know, force you to do something that's becoming much harder for you to do. And we were just like, Hey, we can, we can sort of figure this out. And at some point down the road, you know, always circle back if need be, but this was the, this was the right time to make the switch. And uh, now I'm sure you'll have less pressure on your shoulders come Wednesday evening when I'm like, hey, what's going on? Do you have anything? I don't mind that. And you're like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta talk to Phoebe about something. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, it it was an organic restructuring. It's just kind of like, I don't know, we're just moving, but like we're still, I don't know. It's just we're gonna build on what we're gonna do, and it takes more time to produce those kind of shows, and it's just fight game and there's gonna be more people listening to fight game and it's just you know it's evolution.
1: If Fu, fumi I'm sure Fumi's got some you know fans of his who you're like, hey, you wanna edit some some audio for nothing? And they're like, yes, anything to be in the presence of, of Fumi as long as he just returns my emails. Yes.
0: The one just- the one thing that's kind of related to that, but the one thing that's been so cool about write that down is such an eclectic mix of people reaching out and being just, I'm so flattered by some of the things that I've been told by some fans and they're from all over. It's not, it's not that like the fans just from Japan or the States or Europe, but like all over Europe, people from the Middle East and people from Australia. I mean, it's just, you never know who you're going to connect with. Mm -hmm. And for something like the, for write that down, it's so specific and what I'm proud of being a part of in terms of that show is that it is evergreen, but it's also, it's from people like Fumi who were there. And with Japanese wrestling, and it enters the English arena, it tends to, especially these days, uh, uh, almost disgusting amount of misinformation out there. Yeah. It's just, it's, and it's so it's rooted in nothing. If anything, it's rooted in like, google translation like a poor mm-hmm. google translation but yeah on the other hand what you're hearing is like, fumi was there for most of what we talk about i mean if you don't if you, you like it you don't like it that's cool but i mean it's we were we always talk about like this is going to be there forever yeah and it's meant to be used as a resource because we're both writers so having all of that official uh, analysis and discussion about people like Giant Baba and Dozon mm-hmm. or Ultimo Dragon, or ricky Rikicho, whoever, whomever you like, we, we've most likely hit. There's a couple that we haven't though that I'm really excited to eventually, but it just has to be the right time. Here's a here's
1: a question for you now. You are preparing, so Fumi comes up with the subject, and you guys then you guys sort of deep dive, but you kind of have to know about the subject at hand as well. Hmm. So you, I mean, you have knowledge about history, of some history of Japanese wrestling and, you know, more of the current scene. You're, you're pretty aware of that, obviously. But how much research do you actually have to do before you do a show with him? Like, are you like reading up on stuff or you just kind of know, okay, this is the general thing that we're doing. I just need to kind of get Fumi going and then, you know and and then I'll just fill in some of uh, some of the bits when he when he takes a second thought,
0: yeah, it's the latter i I'm ready to go anytime. that's my style. Mm-hmm. It's the same with Fumi's Fumi style too. He says he has to wait from the uh from the message from from the gods above to tell him <laughs> that was with the Minoru Suzuki deal he waited Yeah, that was, and waited, that was perfect timing right when, when and then when all that stuff happened, I'm just like, well, I guess he did speak to an angel, yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh uh. No, I. It was the same when I did the Tokyo Dome this year. I mean, there was stuff that I prepared, but I mean, I'm around it all the time, and it's like a twenty four seven thing for me anyway. So I just, yeah, let's go. Sometimes I I, I do a little research. I want to maybe find some extra details that I didn't know. Yeah. So I might I might like look at like the Japanese version of something I'm reading because mm-hmm. like a Wikipedia entry actually has different uh, info. Right. So. Or, or details that are valued over here, but not over here. So just for supplemental stuff. But in general, I mean, yeah, we just freestyle. Well, But I- Fumi has a lot of notes, though. Fumi does a lot of uh, paper. But he has, like, he's prepared notes. Uh, like, he has. Yeah, it's just probably just
1: stuff that he's just has. Like, mm-hmm. literally, has, he's prepared it before. And he can yeah. just kind of go back to how Dave will go into his observer stash to find certain things to refresh his memory on stuff.
0: I when I started when we started doing the show and maybe more with like high tension, uh I had like a really more organized layout. And that lineup. was the show that you and J D did right. before write that down.
1: And John LaRocca originally. Oh, was John Larock on that show? I don't That I was the that
0: uh, there was the original lineup but his schedule just got kind of busy. Yeah. He, yeah. It, he, he, he's doing the solo show. So yeah. And it was the same with JD and I, I love doing shows with JD. It was just kind of like that time to just switch it up and I'm, I'm game to always do whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to miss taking the the file that you would send me and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of just level it out a little bit and I'm going to miss the intro song. Like what a fantastic song for a podcast and you intro and outroed every single episode with that song, I don't even know if I asked you, like, where did you get that from? I made it. So you just so so because I used there's... his
0: voice. I used Jericho's voice at the beginning. That's what Fumi wanted me to do.
1: So Jericho, uh, where, where did Jericho say write that
0: down? At, it was during the press conference before Jericho versus Omega, when Jericho freaked out and they got into a big fight, and uh, Don Callis was wearing the neck brace. Yeah, 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 yeah. At, when Jericho was going off, Fumi was in the front row, and he said, hey, you write that down, Fumi Saito.
1: That is amazing. I had no idea that that's where that came from.
0: Yeah, it's from a New Japan press conference, 2018. Wow. 2018? Yeah, January 2018. It, I think it's on New Japan World or YouTube, but that's what <laughs> I uh, I clipped it from, and it's Jericho yelling at Fumi. But did you slow Jericho's voice down a little bit? In the early ones, there's a couple versions I did. I, I did mess with his voice. Okay, okay. Got um and amazing. I used to I used to have a sample of and I'd put some reverb and delay on Fumi's voice going "Hello
1: from Tokyo." Right
0: right 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 right. Yeah. That was the older one. But I whenever I used the delay and the reverb stuff it would always make my track sound like watery and washed uh-huh. out. So the newer one had a more clear crisp sample of Jericho's voice and I just I I always tried to do little little tweaks to like change it but not too much just cuz I was always like am I annoying people putting the same song every time I, get, <laughs> I you ever watch YouTube and you watch a couple of videos from the same person. And it's just like that same annoying tune that they use. Like sometimes I get annoyed by those things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, audio podcasts are a little bit different. I think, I think people kind of like the repetitiveness cause it reminds them of what's coming. Right. It's like a Pavlovian mm-hmm. thing, but uh, also just, I'll, I'll just mention, you know, Every I think every intro song that we have on all of our shows, which are all different and distinct, with the exception of one, it was made by you. So that's another thing you will always have your imprint on this network, whether you're doing shows with us or not, because your work is in uh, is in in the intro music of of every show that is on the network so that's another thing that you know that that people just wanted people to know about but um, I'm gonna let you go because uh, I know you still have work to do tonight yeah, yeah, because yeah. you are a couple hours to do a
0: production something or other
1: on a different time timeline than, than us because you work with people in japan so uh, I just want to say again thank you for everything that you have done for the network for write that down for high tension for the editing that you did when we had the the website kind of going on fire uh and you know it's not it's not goodbye for us we're i'm still, still around you're I'm still here. gonna
0: be you're still gonna be in the slack i'm in the slack that that's that's what it's all i mean i don't use the discord so the slack is all i got <laughs> yeah. now. slack and the fight dynasty
1: yeah 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 so but uh, um yeah but uh but you know you'll you'll be around and I just wanted to do this. I just wanted to do this so that people knew, you know, why uh, you guys are moving on and and how we're cool and everything is great between us. So, no, it's um, just
0: uh, if people, some stuff is coming soon. Reach out to us on social media if you want to. You know, I'm at Justin M. Nipper and Fumi's Fumihiko Dayo. Um, we say it on every show. I, f- I feel like I should just read the script, <laughs> but you know we're around and stuff's coming soon. So it's, it's right. We're just changing things up, and uh, well, I'll be around. You heard it. Go anywhere.
1: You heard it from the host of Write That Down's mouth. I'm fight
0: Game for Life.
1: There you go, Justin Nipper. Thanks again for doing this, man. And uh, I we'll hope. chat soon. Yeah, man.
2: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
1: As I promised when we released Fight Game Podcast Extra as a brand new show, I was going to do more boxing and MMA and more combat sports and not just professional wrestling because the Fight Game Media Network is built off of the backs of the three sports. So I'm bringing in Carlos Toro to talk about some big fights coming up in boxing, and I'm sure... As these fights uh, come a little bit closer, we'll have more discourse on them. But Carlos,
2: what's going on, man? Hey, good to be back. And, uh, you know, I really was not expecting so many big fights to be coming up so soon. It still feels to me like it's May. We're already in July. We're like three weeks away from from having a week of two of the biggest fights and two of the best fights on paper uh, of the year. It's the the next few months is going to be such an amazing time to be a boxing fan. Twenty twenty three has been treating us real good, but man, the next couple of months are going to be outstanding.
1: Yeah, it is really going to start heating up here in three weeks, and we're going to go through. I I just was doing some Google searching, you know, for a calendar of some of the major fights. And, and the first thing that popped up was ESPN's uh, website. I guess they have a, they have a, a one page that kind of has a schedule and they updated it with the most recent information that we have as far as big fights coming up. So I'm just going to use it. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Let's just use what ESPN, uh, you know, they still cover boxing, you know, maybe not to the extent that some people would like, but they still cover it. So uh, let's use their list of key dates for fights. And let's start with the one of the two fights that you were talking about, Fulton and Inoue uh, for Fulton's WBC and WBO junior featherweight title, July 25th in Tokyo ESPN plus. So it's not even a pay-per-view this is uh, one that you'll be able to see with your ESPN plus subscription. And I think the last time we talked, you were telling me how uh, on paper this might be the best one or one of the one of the two or three best ones uh, of, of the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, uh, Fulton versus Inoue is a fight that um, you know a year ago no one would have imagined happening because of the potential politic uh, politic issues uh, that m- could have presented itself. But credit to Fulton for being the champion and deciding to go all the way to Japan to fight Inoue. On paper, I think this is the best fight of the year. I know we we have the, the next fight that a lot of people would beg to give uh, <laughs> beg to differ right down below it. Uh, Four days later, but Fulton is the guy that I think in my opinion is the top guy at 122 pounds and has been an absolute dynamite of a fighter taking uh, basically the best of that entire division that has to offer Sans, you know, Morajan, Akhmedalia when he held the uh, the titles, uh, the, the other title, the WBA and IVF titles. And Inoue has, you know. It's already, in my opinion, cemented its legacy at the greatest Japanese boxer of all time. And he's quickly making a case for being one of the greatest lower weight fighters boxing has ever seen. And to, for Inuit to go for now, I believe this is his fifth weight class that's going to try and win a world title in, coming off an undisputed run at Ban of Weight to be able to have these two guys who produce like absolute fires we're gonna attack each other it's gonna the fight's gonna take place in a phone booth once <laughs> J- July 25th comes because these guys to a certain extent to their detriment they love engaging in these big firefights and kind of throw caution to the wind especially Fulton who you know back in the OG days of the um, pound for pound podcast you know Robert Seller remember Or just say how much he just doesn't like how Fulton just basically throws himself into the wolves and lets himself get hit just to be able to throw some big punches. But that's what causes uh, such great fights whenever Stephen Fulton comes comes to the ring. Because that was, uh, whenever I hear someone say that, I always think back to
1: when Evander Holyfield turned heavyweight. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of his strategies was. You know, he, he was willing to take a punch because that's what it took for him to counter and get inside and land uh, some combinations. He, he, he would sit there and and take that punch and, and then just so he could return punches, And which is, you know, maybe not the best strategy from a health perspective or maybe when you're a little older and your reflexes aren't there. Uh, instead, you maybe should bait the the, the shot in, you know, you know, but, you know, but, but like you said, if you have a strong chin and you are willing to take a shot because you know that the ones you're able to send back are going to be better shots, uh, it, it can be a pretty good strategy, uh, especially
2: if the guy on the other side, you know, if you think you're the stronger fighter. The, but the problem here is that anyway, even though he has not been tested a whole lot throughout his entire career. It's toughness cannot be questioned. If if you remember the first fight he had against Nonito Donaire a couple of years ago, a few Mm -hmm. years ago in Japan, Inoue was fighting parts of that fight with a, essentially with one eye. He had a broken orbital bone (laughs) uh, during that fight, and he still went and dominated and nearly stopped uh, uh, in, in a couple of times, actually, to do that with essentially one eye. I mean that kind of that shows a level of toughness that even Fulton has not entirely dealt with. And I think that's what kind of makes it so compelling is the fact that Fulton can deliver these devastating shots, but anyways the guy who is capable of powering through those types of uh, punches and basically from big, big injuries, and I'm I'm just so excited for this fight because I think whoever wins this one this fight makes a very, very strong case to be number one pound for pound, especially inue if he wins this fight. Are you leading a specific way yet? <sighs> I, I, I've told myself a long time ago, never bet against Inuai like don't even bet to for it to be uh for any fight uh, against Inuy to be a competitive one but i think this will be the first time we'll see an, a a truly competitive fight uh, uh with Inuy but i'm still going to lean towards uh Naoya Inuy with a i'm going to say a close decision victory i think both and i think both guys are going to get hurt bad at different stages of the fight
1: do, do you know um Cause I know this was scheduled for what was it, a couple months ago, right? It was supposed to take place mm-hmm. uh in May. And then they postponed it because Inuai had an injury. What what was the injury? Do
2: you know? Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I don't remember if it was a hand injury. I, I think it was something above the waist if i remember correctly but if i remember uh but as i understood it it wasn't like a major injury but the but they kind of postponed it more as a precautionary because of all the logistics of you know getting fulton to fight uh, having to travel to japan and the idea and you know if you kind of wait and see how things progress, and then as it turns, if it turns out well, might need to wait a few weeks. Then you know, might as well just kind of postpone it for a couple of months and really make sure that Enyoye is healthy.
1: All right. So the next one is kind of the big one, at least mm-hmm. stateside as far as uh, excitement when it comes, you know, for that that uh, you know, you were talking pound for pound. Now these guys. Uh, at this point uh, probably aren't in in the in the tippy tippy top of the the pound for pound but previously in their careers they have been which is Errol Spence and and Terrence Crawford and I guess my first question is, is do you think that this fight still has the same excitement as it would have had maybe two or three years ago
2: I think so yes I think um you know, I, I, one thing that people will will say, well, they waited too long or anything. I mean, well, at the end of the day, both of the, uh, of the day, both of these guys are undefeated. Both of these guys are holding all of their titles, and none of them have looked. Back to the point where the fight itself has lost any luster. I mean, I mean, how long have we waited for Mayweather and Pacquiao? And a lot of people coming into that fight were kind of thinking, well, maybe kind of maybe they waited a little bit too long, maybe lost some of his luster, and then it turns out that more than four million paper. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean the money the money is right now for them. Finally, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the promotion aspect, the the money is obviously right for them. And I think I don't think it's obviously not going to be the same kind of uh, business that that Pacquiao and, and Mayweather did, because that was just kind of right. like a once in a lifetime thing. But I do think there is something to uh, making people wait for it, because you get to the point of where when you finally get it, it, it there's just been so much buildup now. The thing that I wonder, and what this fight is not going to have, at least as far as I know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a Showtime pay per view. But the Mayweather-Pacquiao did have uh, a vehicle behind it to help in the promotion. I don't know what they're doing for this one to kind of whet the appetite and, and, and remind people. But you know, we are uh, we are about you know three and a half weeks away here from from the fight happening, and I haven't really seen. Is, do you know if there's any preview material? Is Showtime doing? Their, uh, you know, their their weekly series of, of of preview stuff like like they usually do for the big fights.
2: Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but given how close we are, I mean, there got to be something. I know this week. I mean, this weekend we have a Showtime card with Drawn Ennis and Royman and Villa, so it's possible they may announce something to the uh, to the extent of maybe we'll get some coverage uh going on uh in the coming days and weeks um i know that um actually today or at least the that they were recording this i know they had a big round table uh with with a bunch of ex-fighters or former opponents of both of these guys i don't know if that if they're gonna release that to the public i know there was a i know there was at least a round table on that um I know, I know for a fact that they definitely have posted content okay. uh, on you on the Showtime YouTube channel. Uh, I'm just not entirely sure if it's the the full slate of the traditional Showtime boxing content that we're used to, but um, but you know, it's possible they may have something in the works and they'll just announce it on Saturday. So it looks like, unless I'm reading this wrong,
1: it looks like all access episode one is streaming on Saturday. Okay. So that's that's good because all access is is usually good stuff. Though Showtime has taken a hit recently; they're not really uh, uh, a, uh, uh, I guess what would you call it, a streaming network by themselves anymore. You have mm-hmm. to buy it through Paramount Plus, which I have, so I'll be able to see that that stuff. So I'm I'm really excited for that. Um, I was talking to a buddy who lives in Reno, and he really really wanted to. Um, he really wanted to go to this fight, mm-hmm. and he looked into tickets, and he said, "Not going to be able to do it." it
2: so it, we're talking
1: we're talking giant gate here. I'm sure. Yeah, so that's the expectation for this thing. I think is still a, a pretty big deal, at least for the live gate. Now, for pay per view, that's a different story, and I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what this fight does from a pay-per-view perspective, because what we're going to have is we're going to really have a, a good experiment on what a fantastic boxing big time showdown is going to mean pay-per-view wise. And what a, what the, whatever the 2023 version of the freak fight is going to be, which is Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Cause that comes the next week. My hope, in my heart of hearts, people come out for Spence and Crawford, but there's going to be a piece of the MMA crowd who may not buy Spence and Crawford and then may buy Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. So I'm very intrigued into which of those shows
2: does does better business. I think ultimately, I think it's going to be Spence Crawford, partially, in fact, because the Zone pay-per-view has not been able to produce the, uh, the the pay-per-view sales numbers that traditional pay-per-view has been able to do. Showtime, you know, back back in the old HBO days uh, mm-hmm. when they did pay-per-view for giant fights. I mean, their numbers eclipse. What the zone is doing right now, and to to an extent, you know, Jake Paul that lost to uh, to Tommy Fury, that kind of I think I can see where some people are going to lose a little bit of luster uh, and interest in that fight. But as far as Spencer's Crawford, this is kind of a similar situation to Canelo versus Golovkin one, in the sense of. You have Terrence Crawford, who is an absolute dynamite of a fighter, who is proven to be a massive TV draw. But when he was traditionally shown to be the A-side in pay-per-views, business didn't do so well. Golovkin versus Dave Lemieux did a fantastic gate at Madison Square Garden, didn't do so well on pay-per-view. Uh, Terrence Crawford uh, versus uh, Victor Postal when he had his pay-per-view debut. Didn't do that well on pay-per-view either. But when know, you... Aram, so much so that Aram is just like, I can't sell this guy on pay-per-view. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, and now you have a similar situation where you pit that guy against the other guy that everyone wants to see. And this is like the big fight that everybody is going to tune in. Tune in. The first fight between Canelo and Golovkin did, I want to say 1.1, 1.2 million. I don't think that that should be considered the baseline for Spence Crawford, but I think getting close to that number, I think that should be, I, I think that could be expected. And I would think that Showtime probably feels a little more optimistic with the potential this fight has, given how ginormously successful Tank David versus Ryan Garcia was. Do, do What was the final number on that fight? Do you remember? I I saw a couple of different numbers and I couldn't quite get a a true confirmation. Um, If it did not do a million, it got really, really close. I know I saw some numbers that said it did just a little above a million, but I couldn't quite be sure. 100% of that, but let's put a nice wide rank, you know, 800 to 1.1 million, which is still, even if it didn't even get to that point, I I still consider that to be a ginormous success. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: Showtime reported over a million, like 1.2 or something. So if we go by that, like, what a tremendous, what a tremendous success. Mm -hmm. And if they can get close, if that to me, if you get to 750, 800, Mm -hmm. uh, that is a success because boxing pay-per-view is so splintered these days and content is so splintered and where you find this stuff is so splintered you can watch some stuff on espn plus you can watch some stuff on showtime some stuff on the but there's not a lot of opportunity to really watch anything on like a linear cable channel espn will will do some stuff but it's not like you can you know, turn on CBS and see boxing. I know Fox was doing some stuff, but I haven't seen a a, a fight on Fox in in quite a while. So with the audience being so splintered, I think, you know, doing, you know, 750, 800 would absolutely be a success for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think to me, I think that should be, that's kind of where my projections lie, maybe around 800, 850,000. Although I Typically, go a, t- a little bit lower on the projection range of where uh, pay per views go. It, but i there's a good chance it might clear 800,000 just because of the excitement and how everybody has been wanting this fight for so long. And there will definitely
1: be some impulse buys come that weekend where they're just like, this is the thing that everyone's doing. I got to do it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. And once, yeah, and once fight week hits, I think that's when the excitement does reach a fever pitch. It's kind of similar to what uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder one did. The mm-hmm. first fight, you you didn't wouldn't think that like, oh well, it's gonna do okay, but there's a lot of unknowns as far as projecting the pay per view. And then once fight week hit, everyone immediately got ex- excited for that one. And they the first fight ended up being a, a much bigger success than I thought it was gonna be, which you know lend itself to having sequels that also did pretty well. So
1: do you have a certain way that you're leaning on this one? I This is like, I mean, such a coin flip fight to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people will say that the inactivity and the stuff that Errol Spence has been dealing with, you the know, injuries like, are, uh, the injuries, the injuries, the injuries as... lean
1: me maybe to, to Crawford. But
2: yeah, but I mean, Spence has proven that he can, uh that, he doesn't really lose a lot of steps with the inactivity. I mean, he had a very sound uh, performance against Danny Garcia, and it looked great. Terence Crawford, I mean, he's getting uh, Terence Crawford. I'm, he, I'm not, sh- I'm still not sure because Crawford has never faced a boxer that strong in mm-hmm. Errol Spence before, and Spence is absolutely capable of using his power and his size to cause a lot. With, with Crawford. This is, I mean, it's a coin club. Right now, I, I think I might be leaning towards Spence just yes, a tiny bit, but ask me in two weeks, I could very well be uh, picking <laughs> for Crawford. That's how close this is.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I want to watch the, uh, the shoulder content too. I want to watch the all access because like you said, a lot of the inactivity... You kind of forget what happened, you know, 3 4 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh I, I would like to revisit this story uh, all over again cuz these guys have been talking about having this fight for a while now. All right, we're going to skip over Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Uh <laughs> not not because, you know, it, it's it's more of a, you know, like I said, you know, the freak fight, freak show kind of fight. Uh I'm sure on in the clinch with uh, Paul and uh and Ryan, they'll, they'll probably talk a little bit about it cuz Nate Diaz is technically an MMA fighter um but also because you know I don't want to keep carlos here too long but let's quickly <laughs> go to navarrete and valdez uh august 12th for the junior lightweight title um this isn't one of the more well-known fights on the radar but tell
2: people why this is an intriguing one this one is a this is a fascinating fight on paper because navarrete has For most of his career, he has looked almost unbeatable with the way he towers over his opponents and just sheer power. But then you look at his last fight, his last title defense, which, by the way, um, that was an early contender for fight of the year, and probably still going to end up being one of the top ten fights uh, of twenty twenty. I know, I actually. I'm gonna actually uh, look this up because I don't want to be wrong. uh, Because my (laughs) my sense of timing has been so off uh, for ever since COVID hit. But his fight against Liam Wilson was okay. Back was in February. Um, That was the first time that we truly saw weakness and Mm -hmm. a less than stellar uh, Emmanuel Navarrete. And it's now getting to the point where now you're really wondering. Is the way it is making hundred thirty pounds, getting a, a little too much, and that that was the main that was part of the main problem with Navarrete when he was champion at one hundred twenty six pounds is that he was too big for that weight class, it, almost to his detriment, and now you go to one thirty and it's now getting to that point where it's similar. Oscar Valdez, um, has been. It did bounce back very well with a with a win against Adam Lopez uh recently after he after you know Valdez just got absolutely dominated by Shakur Stevenson. So this is a fight where both of these guys it's weird to say that they are at a crossroads because Valdez is only, you know, he only suffered that one loss to a guy who will likely be a top pound for pound fighter within the next couple of years or even the next year or so. But both of these guys stocked their Not exactly at their highest, but this is still a fight where you have a very intelligent fighter in Valdez who can, who who, when given the right game plan, can absolutely shut a fighter down. But how do you shut a fighter like Navarrete who is, you know, almost as tall as me, and I'm almost six foot tall and weighs so little but carries so much power in his punches?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it, this is going to be a low key firefight between the two of them, um, but I, but it's also going to be kind of an ugly fight. A lot of clinching, probably going to be a, a cut or two on both of these guys' faces. I wouldn't even be surprised if one or both of these guys get dropped because of just how uh, I don't even what's the uh, what's the term like, bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> This fight can be. But I think that's part of the excitement. I think that's part of the intrigue with this fight. Jim Jim Ross loved that one. (laughs) Uh,
1: So let's move on to one of the two heavyweight fights that was recently announced. Uh, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. This is, what, eight years uh, after their first fight? Yeah, eight years. in, In which Joshua won by knockout. And since then, uh, White went on a crazy winning streak. He won like I don't know, like twelve fights in a row. Uh, but he's also then, you know, you know, he he's then gone up in in uh, competition, and and in his last four fights, he lost to Povetkin, then he beat Pavetkin, then he lost to Tyson Fury, uh, got stopped, and then he uh, won a majority decision over Jermaine Franklin, and Jermaine Franklin is also the person who um, Joshua, think, last beat. Joshua last beat as well. So they, the same, you know, similar opponent. Obviously, everyone knows Joshua's uh, recent frustration in the two losses to Usyk, and before that, the knockout loss to Andy Ruiz Jr. Um, eight years later, these guys, you know, lace them up again. And I feel, I don't know how realistic it is, but I sort of feel like Dillian White has a much better chance to win the fight eight years later than maybe he did in 2015.
2: Which is funny considering that you can argue that Dillian White might be might be at his worst in the last year and a half or so because he didn't even look that good against Jermaine Franklin and was able to squeak, uh, squeak out a majority decision. But you're right. I think that there is a much better chance because this is a – this is still an Anthony Joshua that, that fights so reclusive, so one-dimensional, to the point where, to the point where, he, you know, he almost fights afraid. Like, he's afraid of getting knocked down and getting rocked again, like what happened when he fought Vladimir Klitschko, like in the first fight against Andy Ruiz. And then Usyk was able to soundly outbox him and even hurt him a couple of times. Joshua needs to find a way to get back to the, the pre-Klitschko uh, Joshua where he had no fear. He showcased his physical talents and had an excellent boxing acumen to complement the power in Adonis-like physique that he has. But the, this version of Joshua just doesn't seem to have that killer instinct anymore. Even in the fight against Jermaine Franklin uh, you know Franklin was the perfect kind of opponent to you know he was a, he's a good quality boxer uh who can go rounds but Joshua just you know it, he almost was like at sparring speed not because he wasn't taking the fight seriously but because it just he just doesn't feel ready to let his hands go like he did in the past. And I think that's where Dillian White can try and take advantage because for as much as I say that Dillian White sometimes uh, uh, has not looked great in his last few fights, he's still a guy who's willing to let his hands go and throw caution to the wind and risk it all. I mean, even the fight against, you know, in the Tides of Fury fight, I mean, yeah, dominate him. but there were moments where White was getting really ready to really turn it into a slug fo- a slugfest. But Joshua, I just don't see the same from Joshua. I still pick Joshua to win this one with a, you know, um, a bo- quite frankly, a boring decision win because I don't think Dillian White has what he had a few years ago to be able to beat Joshua. If we're taking if 2020 Dillian White was fighting 2023 Joshua, I would pick uh 2020 Dillion White to beat this version of Joshua, but 2023 Dillion White. Yeah. Uh not not as hot as as he was a few years ago. But I think that is still but I think you're right. I think White right now has a better chance of beating Joshua now than the first fight eight years ago. All
1: right. Uh Arthur uh better be against Callum Smith uh for three light heavyweight titles August nineteenth in Canada, Quebec City. That is also uh, ESPN and an ESPN Plus fight, much like the Navarrete and uh, Valdez fight. So it'll, it looks like it's going to be streamed across both uh, the channel and the platform. Uh, well, what's uh, what's your thoughts on this one?
2: Archer Better BF my just st- is still arguably the most dangerous fighter in all for pound, just because of that perfect knockout uh, record and he's just an absolute killer in the ring who just, you know, he, he's willing to knock guys out 10 seconds into a fight, and he's, what, he's defended his titles in, with, like, first and second round knock uh, knockouts in the past, so that's how dangerous Archer Better-BF is. Callum Smith presents maybe the most interesting challenge to Archer Better-BF. Callum Smith has looked really good since the loss to Canelo Alvarez, and I thought that the loss to Al- to Canelo and the way Callum Smith lost that fight, I thought that was going to decimate him to the point that, you know, we're never going to see him in this position again. But credit to him, his uh, rejuvenation, even though it's only been two. Canelo loss, he's looked terrific at 175 pounds coming off, you know, two very dominant performances against Lennon Castillo and Matteo Barterlich. And cal Smith just seems to kind of found the version of himself that, won the world boxing super series where he was just an absolute you know dynamite of a puncher who knew how to use the ring and use his long his long frame to you know extend his punches to the point where he's able to connect with full power on almost every punch and he's been able to do that in the last couple of fights the quest the the, the question i still have is whether Callum smith can take a punch as hard as Archer better BF because Canelo Alvarez, Canelo never didn't really test count Smith in to the point Archer is going to Canelo's uh, Canelo's strategy was take out count Smith's arms, but just punch them repeatedly to the point where Callum Smith can't even throw anything. So this will be a different test for Callum, but I think this will also be a different test for Archer better BF where he hasn't really fought a fighter, with this combination of length and size and momentum and power, and Count Smith has not fought a fighter as dangerous and heavy-handed as Archer Better BF. Uh,
1: all right, moving right along here. Let's finish up with these last two fights. Uh, we have Usek and Daniel Dubois uh, for Usek's uh, three titles. Now, this fight, I was kind of looking up. I was like, man, like he, I, I feel like he hasn't even had, uh, that many fights, uh, and, and it's a a little, it it would seem a little early for a title shot, but, uh, I, and you know, he is, uh, what is he 19 and one he, he lost to Joe Joyce a couple of years ago. And that made me go look and go, well, how come Joe Joyce doesn't get this shot? Well, Joe Joyce just lost his last fight uh so that is uh
2: probably uh, one of the which, reasons which was said by the way if, if for those of you who not saw that that fight Joe Joy for the Jele jang boy that was that was a that was a weird but hell of a fight um i i actually recommend for those of you who have the zone actually no i don't think this was on the zone i don't remember where it was on but i think it, it may be on the zone but if you have a chance to go out and start Joe Joy for the Jele jang that was that was quite the experience, and they're gonna ha- and they're gonna actually gonna run it back.
1: So my question to you, because mm-hmm. the 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 fight that rings in the back of my head when I see a uh, a, a pretty uh, a, a pretty dominant champion versus kind of an up and comer in a title fight, and, and Robert Silva probably you know has recollection of where he was on this day when this fight happened is Lennox Lewis and Michael Grant. Mm-hmm. And as we're watching this fight, Michael Grant was kind of the young and up-and-coming knockout heavyweight. And Lennox Lewis was such a level above him that it actually ruined Michael Grant's career. Now, I don't know if Michael Grant would have ever achieved if there wasn't a, a top heavyweight like Lennox Lewis. Like, maybe Lennox Lewis is just above and beyond, or maybe Michael Grant just didn't have the goods. But it really kind of... uh Sent him in a spiral like he lost his next fight, uh, by first round knockout. Then he won a bunch of fights, and then he kind of traded off fights as his career got got uh, much older. Um, but like, I just kind of worry about a young fighter taking a fight where it may be a little too early, and you have a champion like Usyk. Now, I think the good thing here is. Usek is not a, a crazy knockout artist. He is he is much more of a of a technician and a and a you know strong fighter, but not mm-hmm. someone who you got to worry about you know this first round knockout where the guy gets knocked crazy like that's just not his style. And so maybe it's okay because the the deflation if he gets if Dubois gets steamrolled is that oh shoot now you know you know w- w- where where you are on this pecking order and because if it's not Usek. Then it's Fury, and Fury's the one who, who may put you into the second row. And then you know, below them is is Joshua, and then then Wild and Wilder. So you know, it's just interesting because there's four fighters who are kind of uh, slightly above the rest of them um, in in the heavyweights. And and so I kind of I kind of wonder, like, does this kid have a chance? Like, is this going to be a steamrolling?
2: You know, and also why why is this the fight right now? So to answer the first question, does Dubois have a shot? It's between slim and none, um, because if you look back to the Joe Joyce fight, Joe Joyce was able to dominate Dubois exclusively with the jab. I mean, if you look, if you go back and watch that fight, all Joe Joyce did was just throw the jab at Dubois. I think it was his left eye, and or I don't know if it was left or right, but either one of his eyes. And all he did was just do that for like seven, eight rounds and Dubois, uh, orbital. bone, I think it was just kind of got, uh, bro. was broken because he, all he did was just jab at it. And Usyk prevent, uh, presents a similar type of situation where you have an astounding, astounding technical fighter, except, Music is a faster puncher than Joe Joyce, and he's a much better fundamentally sound fighter than Joe Joyce. And Dubois, for as much as he's been able to get on this win streak, the quality of opposition has been very subpar. Bogdan Dinu, um, Trevor Bryan, uh, Kevin Lorena with his last win was the best win on third, and Kevin Lorena was, his, was effectively very little experience at heavyweight because he's just been the red-headed stepchild of the Cruiserweight title holders for for most of the 2010s. And or he has not shown that he can fight against a boxer. He still has not proven that. And, and and Dubois is still a very, to a certain extent, very raw talent because he doesn't have a lot of amateur experience. But he has this dynamic physique and dynamic power that has been able to give him a lot of opportunities to win fights. As for how, why this fight is happening, the short answer because the long answer requires going all the way back <laughs> over a decade to fresh Okendo and with, because of the WBA's multiple world title situation, I'm not joking. This is a sit- fight that has been more than ten years in the making. Not necessarily because of Usyk and Dubois, but because the WBA uh, doesn't know what doesn't know what it's doing half the time. Um, so, but basically. Um, we have a, we, WBA has for a long, for a long time had a, the world champion. Sometimes they had a secondary world champion. They called the regular champion. And in that case, the, the actual world champ is called the super champion. And then there's the interim champion. Well, Trevor Bryan was the, in, was I believe the interim champion. And then he had a, had multiple fights scheduled, but uh, with the actual regular champion, it was a humongous mess. Uh, involving Don King and and all sides involved. And then Trevor Bryan was, I think, either he already had the regular title or was promoted to regular champion. And then Dubois kind of swooped in at a at a Don King card in Florida, which probably seen by maybe a thousand people. And, <laughs> uh, and Dubois just absolutely destroyed Trevor Bryan because Trevor Bryan is not a top 10, top 20, top 50 yeah, you can yeah, find a find hard to believe that maybe he's in the top 100 heavyweight 50s. Geez. I mean, I mean, I've seen Trevor Bryan fight numerous times. <laughs> um, I mean, let me put it this way. He almost lost his title when when I covered the the Don King card in Ohio for you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. he almost lost to a last minute replacement. who was say I think we'll say a crawfish farmer in Louisiana or something like that. You almost lost that fight, and wow. Uh, so yeah, so that's why we have this fight here because the WBA shenanigans over the last decade with that heavyweight title is finally going to come to fruition and finally going to have one single WBA champion until like 2025 when the WA decides to respect the regular titles.
1: All right. So the last one we're going to talk about is uh, Canelo Alvarez. And really, today, Canelo is like the prom queen. And everybody is trying to throw their hat in the ring to date the prom queen. Who uh, Jermel Charlo is the fight, and that's going to be September 30th, Showtime pay-per-view. Who else was in the running for this fight?
2: Well, I know there were a lot of people and a lot of reports coming in that that everyone thought that Canelo was actually going to fight Jermel's brother Jamal. Right. Uh, in that fight, and I, well, and, and Jamal for la- you know, not to get too deep, but Jamal's been dealing with a lot of outside the ring stuff that prevented him from fighting the last two years. Yeah, he hasn't fought in two years. I was about to say. And right now, I believe part of the reason Dramal's not fighting Can- Canelo is because what he's dealing with and the timeframe of it all, it's still not enough for Jamal to sort of get back in the ring and prepare for this fight. And I mean, as far as what other fights are out there, I mean, at you got to look at the PBC Super Middleweight roster. You got David Benavides, and you have David Moral Jr., who you know, the top two super middleweights that, that PBC has, and those would be, make fantastic fights. And those still could happen because Canelo supposedly uh, signed a three-fight agreement with PBC, so those fights could still happen down the road, which, if Canelo wasn't fighting either of them, then I suppose that the only other option would have been Jermell, um, even though it, was, it did feel out of left field because this is a guy who's been at 154 pounds, seemingly getting ready to fight Tim Zhu, and then all of a sudden, boom, Jermel Charlo comes in and gets Canelo Alvarez, which, as far as a fight, on paper, I know people will say, well, look at—I well, mean, Jermel is 154-pounder. Canelo is 168-pounder who's fought as high as 175. Like, this is a mismatch. Physically, no, because if you look at Jermel, his size—I mean, I think Jermel is actually technically a bigger person than Canelo Alvarez— and the one thing about Jamel and his brother, Jamal, that from a physical standpoint, we've been saying for many years is that how the hell are these guys making weight and making it look <laughs> easy? Like, Jermel and Jamal, like, I'm not kidding when I say they could have, they could easily have been fighting in 168 by this point already, but they've been able to keep going out of 154 and 160. So I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue as far as the physical supposed so mismatch because I think this fight is gonna be I think this uh, I think it's you can throw the 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 weight discrepancy aside because I think that this will still be a really, really good fight and I wouldn't discredit Jamal's chances of winning.
1: And the storyline is that Jamal, like you said, he has been inactive and it sounds like there's some mental things going on with him. Uh, obviously very smart to deal with those things because I would imagine the temptation to take this Canelo fight had to be mm-hmm. giant. So these issues have to be really, really important for him to say no thanks for this one. But if his brother fights and it's a valiant effort and Canelo wins and, and Jamal feels fine and he feels healthy, that is a natural storyline for the mm-hmm. twin brother to come and, and try and avenge the loss and, and, you know, you can do some nice stuff uh, tel- television-wise. And since this is on Showtime, I'm sure we're going to get more all-access stuff. So I hope that, you know, they have some ideas on how to tell those stories. But obviously, you want we want uh, Jamal to uh, to be healthy and, and to be, mm-hmm. you know, not have to fight and, and still ha- have these issues. Um, how much longer do you think Canelo's going to be the big dog?
2: I think at this point, until someone beats him for those super middleweight titles. Because that's essentially what's left, uh, w- the only thing that Canelo still has left. I think he lost a lot of stock with, with the loss to uh, Dmitry Bivol. And the fact that it wasn't even a close fight and that a lot of people would easily pick Bivol in a rematch, it's, you know, but the fact that Canelo still has all the belts at 168, and PBC still has the largest pool of good fighters that Canelo hasn't fought yet that could challenge Canelo for for those fighters. So I think until you know Drimal or Jamal or Benavidez or Morale beat them for those titles, I think you can still consider Canelo the "quote unquote" big dog. And uh, and you know, and we'll we'll see within the, these next three fights if any of these guys. Uh, beat Canelo Alvarez. I, you know, I, I see a lot of people still believing Benavides has the best chance, and David Morale with the way he's been progressing in a very short career. He also has, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that maybe he's got a, a an increasingly better chance as time goes on to to beat Canelo Alvarez. But, uh, but I think right now, until he's no longer the undisputed champion, and that would be by way of someone taking those belts from him. I think he's still considered, I think he should be considered the the, quote unquote, the big dog in boxing.
1: And it sounds like that Bivol fight is not happening, at least right away, is because Bivol didn't really gain a whole lot by beating Canelo, um, at least from the public eye. It wasn't uh, a devastating knockout. Obviously, he's not an American fighter. Not that that always means something in 2023, but, you know, it doesn't sound like. Beating Canelo was going to take Bevall from, you know, sort of a hardcore boxing fan who knows who who he is and how good he is to something a little bit more that the public, the 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 casual fan can enjoy. And so then there's there's risk for Canelo in taking that fight and losing again because <laughs> he's not losing to a killer if he loses, he's losing to somebody who is still kind of on the outskirts from the overall casual fan community
2: and i think a lot of people weren't really paying a whole lot of attention to that fight because it was on the yeah. zone and you already uh you already shrink the pool significantly by putting it on the zone pay-per-view whereas you know the, these last couple of fights of canelo on on pay, uh uh on the zone pay-per-view i mean when was the last time you could say canelo fights have felt this unimportant since i guess would you say maybe since uh before mayweather well so here here's a thing what like
1: you know when you fight the john writers of the world right um even even the third Golovkin can fight i think most people saw that fight and they were like Oh, Golovkin just over the hill. That's why this fight happened. Yeah, uh, so that kind of left a bad taste. Him then, you know, him losing to to Bevall. Uh, you know, he did. He fought some 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 good fighters. You know, in, in Plant and Saunders. You know, he's just a, he was just a level above them. You already mentioned Callum Smith. Uh, the the knockout of of Kovalev was exciting, but you know, at the same time, um, we saw what Ward did to Kovalev so
2: Kovalev was was uh you know uh and and, and like shadow of himself and like less than two months before uh Kovalev fought Canelo Kovalev almost got knocked out um in in a rush on a a title defense so so he was already already a little bit uh softened up uh uh, heading into that Canelo fight
1: yeah I mean circling that 2013 mayweather fight that is interesting because it's sort of similar to you know when i was saying how the guy is on the come up and then he fights one of the the best fighters and and in canelo's in in canelo's example he actually used that floyd fight as a as a way to go okay this is where i have to get to because really what he's doing is he's running back the floyd playbook uh, as being the a side which has been actually you know pr- pretty impressive to see uh, he's able to to do that and then some uh so and, and and like i said in in a very sort of uh different universe than floyd was fighting in you know with how with how segregated all of the media is these days but yeah you know he he did have some some pretty bad fights uh in, in, you know within Within his latest run, you know there were guys like remember you remember Rocky Felding, uh, that
2: was <laughs> that was
1: pretty poor. But so, but, at the very least,
2: but those fights were, but those fights weren't on pay per view, unlike the the Golovkin right, and the Bebo right, one. Right. So, right. I mean, the zone at the very least with the with the Rocky Fielding fight, yeah, I mean that was, I mean in retrospect, arguably maybe the biggest mismatch involving a Canelo fight we have seen in maybe like. Ever at least, like past this, like teenage Mexico fighting days, yeah. Uh, but I mean, there was intrigue, Caesar Caesar Chavez, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, but at least Canelo, at at least that, sir, that fight, sir, we remember it more because that essentially serves as a squash mash disguised as a Fight announcement with the first Golovkin fight and with the Rocky Fielding fight I mean there was the intrigue of what's this app that's paying Canelo 300 million dollars to be to in but you know but now you're on the zone pay-per-view it's like you know people don't know a lot of people don't have the zone and now you're expecting them to download get a subscription and then pay for something that they're probably not going to tune in uh, again I mean that's, that's kind of where I, I'm on when I say like it's felt like this unimportant to, I guess, the the masses where, like, not getting the same casual audience that you normally would get for a Canelo fight.
1: Uh, all right. Uh, I've kept you well past the time that I asked <laughs> you to be available for. But, you know, the thing about it is, is whenever I talk to you, I just go, you know what? Carlos still got it. Like, he's still <laughs> so dialed in because you're not writing you know 30 posts a day like you were previously right like that's when you were so dialed into every nook and cranny of boxing when you were doing the stuff for fightful and you were doing your newsletter uh but now you i think you've been able to kind of pull back and, and you're you're seeing more big picture stuff and not as much uh, of the kind of the microscope look at it and mm-hmm. and you know that's why i like you coming on because you still have such a great knowledge of of the day-to-day and you know what we're gonna do next time what i think we're gonna have to get you and robert back on oh we'll bring both. both of you back on a little <laughs> reunion show for the next time we talk boxing whenever that is we'll, we'll figure <laughs> out a time and day and we'll we'll do something with the, the three of us that i think will be a
2: lot of fun oh i'm in i'm in
1: all right carlos uh i know you're trying to create your uh, your twitch community there you want to <laughs> give people your your username and such and how to find you on twitch
2: well, for those of you who are into uh, video games and me making a little bit of video game history, I you can find me on Twitch at uh, Twitch.tv forward slash uh, Toro Night. That's T-O-R-O-N-I-T-E, and that, that's where I'm going to be doing really mostly video game stuff. It's for those of you who. Who remember Pokemon? I basically play that and try to beat it uh, in within the scope of like world record times. The the trading card games uh, that they had on the old Game Boy Color. So I do that actually. Just yesterday, or yesterday at the time of recording, I actually just moved up like nine spots on the world ranking. So I'm oh, in. wow! Like, I think forty. I, I once it gets verified, but I believe I would be forty third in the world. Wow. Um, and then I might have a few, some stuff in the works with, uh, doing some stuff, uh, maybe a potential solo project on, uh, as far as boxing on the YouTube side. So that could still happen. Um, but, uh, but if I ever do anything like that, I'll probably announce it on Twitter and you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos Toro media. All right. Not, not a threads user yet. You're not, you're not. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Uh, I probably am going to actually make a Threads account today or tomorrow, but I don't have it, so I can't plug it yet.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll check you back next time, and, and you can talk about it. <laughs> we'll see if Threads is – supposedly, we got like 30 million users already. A, a lot of these are just Instagram. I didn't even know it was a that... thing
2: until today. Yeah, yeah Insta- got Instagram
1: accounts. If you have an Instagram account, you kind of get a free Thread account, so you just – You know, you you use the same username and such. So, I mean, it was smart the way that they rolled it out because they automatically just had so many people sign up. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see if it's a thing. And, you know, because, you know, Twitter, I think if people have been on Twitter and I've been on Twitter since probably 2008, I'm guessing it is definitely gone downhill (laughs) uh, uh, in the last several years. So, all right. Check out Carlos. Thanks again, Carlos, for doing this. Uh, and you can find Carlos and help him get. He won He's trying to get his uh, his subscriptions on on Twitch high so that he can become a partner with uh, with Amazon and such. So go follow him there on on Twitch. All right, Carlos. Thanks again.
2: All right, sounds good.
1: It is a UFC 290 weekend in Las Vegas, and you know what else is going on in Las Vegas, Paul? You're more on the the summerly NBA Summer League. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. I was watching I was watching it. Yeah. They have uh games for, I just looked at the schedule from today is uh, the beginning of the Vegas Summer League. I was in Summer League in uh Sacramento earlier this week so I got to see some games. But the 7th through the 17th. So there there's lots of basketball coming up and the big mm-hmm. matchup We are recording this on Friday, and it'll actually go up on YouTube on Friday, but this is for the... The audio will be on Saturday morning's uh, Fight Game Podcast Extra. Uh, Friday night, it's Wemby, man. It's Wemby Mania. Wemby Mania is running wild. So uh, this is a big week for Vegas with Summer League and then UFC. Uh, When does my
3: boy Grady Dick play? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want to see. (laughs) And, my, and my, they're they're releasing details about the uh planet or the uh season tournament tomorrow. The in right? season
1: tournament. It yeah. looks like it's gonna be in December, also in Vegas, at least uh yeah. the, the finals or whatever. So yeah, very, very interesting weekend they're doing NBA con. So like oh, the Comic Con nice. version for the NBA, which is interesting. But they're also going heads up against their own summer league. And from what my son said, because my son is out there, him and his buddies, they have their own uh podcast network. They're out there and he said that you there's no in and out privilege for the game. Oh. So if you're you're kind of stuck in the arena and you can't leave to then go to NBA con. So that's that's where where do they problem. do that? Mandalay? The games are at Cox and okay. where does you does where does L V play?
3: Oh shoot, I I know this.
1: But UFC used to run some shows there, right? Yeah,
3: I'm I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, the, I,
1: whatever those two yeah. places are, that's where they play.
3: Something Pavilion.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, yeah, big weekend, and UFC 290 is Saturday night. I will be on the post show for Wrestling Observer Radio. Your co-host partner, Ryan Frederick, will join uh, Dave and I to talk about this show. But I'm pretty pumped because I have the time to see it. I I I might you know my family's out of town so I would have bought it more than likely even if I wasn't doing the post show with Dave and Ryan but uh, also uh, you know for me I really love the uh Mexican influence on the yeah. show uh Brandon Moreno is fighting um and uh, who's the other
3: uh well Yair is in the main event yeah years um, in the main event but the the woman um it, one of their big signature stars coming up Yasmin uh Yargui is fighting on the prelims and she's a huge star from Mexico or they're hoping will be a huge star from Mexico. She's only 24 and she's got a ton of charisma. She's from Tijuana, baby. Yeah. She just like fountain of charisma. She had uh, her debut match last year in San Diego, just stole the show. It's great. Great fight.
1: All right. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll go over uh, some of Paul's best bets based on uh, the way that he does it through uh,
3: ROI. But Let's talk about your 289. How'd you do in 289 for best bets? Uh, went two and one. Um, I didn't, I didn't write down the picture, but I had a bet based on a hundred dollar bets. Uh, I had a $60 profit. So, you know, that's profits are always good. And overall now over, over three shows, five and four with an $18 profit. So I mean, it's not good. a lot of money, but $18 is $18 yep yep you're
1: in the game like oh yeah you have a reason to bet if you are staying even you can't your
3: wife can't be like you're losing all of our money you're like no i'm even well no and and i mean to be let's be honest like i'm actually betting a hell of a lot more than (laughs) these but i'm also not betting a hundred dollars a fight but i I do all right i do all right i I cashed i just actually on my lunch hour i went to the bank and cashed out my profits from last weekend it was 260 bucks there you go yeah yeah i got a nice fish and chips dinner yeah in keep, few bills, putting put a, put in a put in the uh, old dresser drawer for my next Vegas trip. There you go. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's talk about UFC two ninety. So you're going to give us your best bets yep. here in a second. We'll also talk about you know kind of the what what are some of the reasons why people should be interested in in, in this card. I think sure. I think one of them is is, is the main event the main event. Can you give me the sort of the origin story of how we got here with the interim <laughs> title. And I, I know that like Volkanovsky, uh, he has been tremendous uh as a, uh, what is his weight class? Uh, the featherweight. And then yeah. he, he tried to win the lightweight championship, but he did not, but he's been a very dominant featherweight. So he's, he's kind of become, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how big of a marquee star he is for them, but he's kind of become must see for, Hardcore
3: UFC fight fans. Okay. So if you really, (laughs) I I could try to be logical, um, but realistically, like I have no idea why they, they did an interim title. And, and, you know, this is something Ryan and I talked about on in the clinch um, because on the same show that Alexander Volkanovsky moved up to fight for the lightweight title, that's when they crowned an interim featherweight champion. And that was Yara Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. So, I guess the, maybe the thinking was was that if if Volkanovski won, he would want to defend that lightweight title and then he may not be able to fight at 145, but I don't know why they had to do it on the same card other than maybe they just wanted to have two title fights for their um their return to Australia, mm-hmm. which is uh, where that show took place in uh in February. So uh, you know, that's, I mean, two title fights is really the only reason. And they've done this before. I mean, they had a heavyweight interim title fight last year, you know, just because they needed a title fight. So, but here they didn't even need a title fight. So that's, that was the the questionable thing. But Mo- Volkanovsky still is talking about moving up to 155, even if he wins this fight. Um, so, you know, he, maybe he wants to be a double champ, um, but Yard Rodriguez is, very credible uh contender and you know he's had a lot of big wins and one thing i've always found is when guys are talking about moving up they tend to lose hmm. <laughs> so i you
1: know, it's, i it's, may it's, not be on the uh, i may be on a different prize kind of
3: what do you mean if you're if you're looking ahead you're not looking oh, oh got yeah 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 sorry i think i think you said when you said I, I thought you meant you, <laughs> like as in like you're like oh I'm on a um, what is he but yeah yeah you're right you're right and and so yeah your head's not quite in the 145 game, um because you're thinking about 155, and and he you know and a lot of other people believe he won that fight against Makachev. so, um you know it's it was a very close fight and uh, if they did it again it it could go the other way so you know and it, and, and I mean, one... it makes it makes sense to me because you know, these guys who
1: are such elite fighters, they're also chasing challenges. Mm-hmm. And if you have, you know, some so, some people will say, and I've heard this quote before, you know, winning the title is hard, but actually defending as the champion is harder. And if you look at uh, what he's done since he won the featherweight championship, uh, he's defended it four times. So mm-hmm. he's actually... That challenge for him of of title defenses, he's he's successfully done it. So I could definitely see him going. Okay, what's next? What what am I chasing next as uh, as a top level athlete? So I could definitely see that.
3: Yeah, it's similar in a way to Israel Adesanya. You know, when he was middle, he's a middleweight champion. And he tried to move up to two hundred five, lost there, went back to one eighty five, lost his title, but then he won it back. So you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, and then also just thinking that. You know, the um, Mexico is having a big year. Uh, you know, they're winning a lot of uh, a lot of titles this year. We've had, you know, we had uh, Brandon Moreno. We had Yair earlier in the year winning that interim title. And we also had the big upset uh, with um, Tisha Torres, uh, if that's who it was. I'm so bad with this. I forget it every single time. And I did it on the show last time. <laughs> so, who beat uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Ryan's going to be screaming at me here if (laughs) if I'm wrong, and I'm sure I am. But uh, yeah, so it's and and they've loaded up the show with Mexican fighters, like even all the way down to the prelims. Um, You know, I I mentioned uh, uh, Yasmin Uruguay. There's also Jesus Aguilar. You're thinking Uh, of Grasso? Yeah, Alexa Grasso. I'm. I don't know.
1: I was almost sure it was Grasso, but then I didn't want us both to like have mistakes. So I was like, okay, let me. I'm glad
3: you corrected me, and uh, you know, I'll forget it again next time too. I was there (laughs) live. I, you know, I'm, I'm just bad. I'm getting old, but yeah, it's, it's, and and you ask about, you know, the card, I mean, you, you know, that we got that second fight and it's a third fight that uh, Brandon Moreno and Alexandra Pate- 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 Pantoja have had. They're fighting for the flyweight title. Pantoja beat him the first two times, but that was obviously before he was champion. So that, that's um, so you know, he's interesting. Looked- his
1: Moreno's yeah.
3: uh, his, his career so
1: far has been fascinating in that he has four fights. With Davison Figueiredo. and and now he you know he's fought uh, Pantoja uh, a few different times. So like you know at, at this at these smaller weight classes, you know he's also fought Kai Kara France twice. It's like they're, they're mm-hmm. just recycling through opponents. And so this is, but this worked with, um, you know, you were talking about uh, who were you just talking about?
3: Uh, what Brandon Moreno? No, no, no! Uh, Israel, Adesanya. Oh, Israel! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like with you know, and Adesanya and Whitaker. Yeah, same thing. And not
1: only that, but you know who Adesanya just beat because he yeah. never beat him in. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Paia. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so like, I, I like that aspect of it. And so you can tell these stories. They're kind of, they're kind of made for you know for for storytelling. I
3: like boxing. Eh, boxing is like that where guys will fight each other at different points in their career.
1: Yeah, it, you know, if you if you get on the right sort of uh, you know, like like certain guys if they're dominant and, and you know, then you you may recycle through them a few different times at, at different parts, but yeah, I, I mean it's it's good for storytelling. I think it works from the grudge aspect. That's always worked for me as a UFC mm-hmm. fan is the, the grudge. Do you remember the first time they they did that storyline for a fight uh for for a grudge? Yeah, like this grudge um, aspect.
3: Well, I mean, for me, like because I came into UFC kind of late. So the one that really got me was um uh Bisping and Hamill. Okay. Right? Um, you know, where you know, like Bisping fought him and in, in I think it was in England and Hamill was beating him and yet Bisping got the decision. So he was, you know, like he, he was just being a dick about it. No, no, I beat you. And even though it was clear to everyone watching, he didn't that one of Sarah and GSP, you know, with G, yeah. you know, with Sarah, like, you know, just trash talking Canada and then GSP wanting to get him back. Hughes and GSP, um, you know, so those are the kind of the ones that I remember seeing first. Can I but go the, all the way before back? That Ortiz and Liddell, but I, I didn't live through that. So, can I, I go all the way back it, to watching.
1: UFC nineteen?
3: Oh wow! So what was that? There was a, a a
1: savvy vet, savvy technician named Jeremy Horn who beat a a, a greenhorn in Chuck Liddell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By by triangle choke, and then so that was in nineteen ninety nine, and then you know by that time they had fought again, which would have been in, I think it's oh four. Let me look that up to to be one hundred percent sure. Oh five, was... they fought in oh five, and Chuck was at his peak. Pretty much, it was right before uh, he beat Randy uh, at, at, for their third fight, and he destroyed. Jerry. I, I mean, it, it went four rounds, but he was he was very clearly in in
3: control of that whole fight. Ortiz and Liddell kind of had that too, right? Because they fought once, kind of in the dark ages, and then they fought again uh, when when you know in that same period when he fought Horn, but that was when you know um, Ortiz was kind of at the top of his game, and Liddell was. Kind of, I think. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, but right but yeah. it's just the idea that you know,
1: uh, Jeremy. By by yeah. the time that second Chuck fight had happened, I don't think that there was a lot of people who thought Chuck was going to lose that fight. But you have all that footage from the time that he beat him before, so it's like there, there's a reason. It, it's a story
3: and it's a grudge. So I like that oh, storytelling. There, there was another one like that, and it, it, the fight never happened. But it was one that people were trying to get. Was I, you, you'll probably remember this too. Was Conor McGregor. And a guy that he had lost to early in his career ma- came into UFC, and he was winning a lot of fights, and he was trying to get that rematch with Conor, um, Joe Duffy. Oh, I didn't even have to look it up. Um, and but then Duffy lost, and and then he was you know ended up being out of UFC, and Conor just kept going up, up, up. But that was one that I kind of was hoping to see. Just because he had lost. And Holloway is another one. He he lost to Connor early in his career. And then, you know, when, when Holloway was a champ, he was wanting that fight again. But by then they were in different weight classes. So yeah. that never happened either. And now I think if it happened, Holloway probably wastes them. Even if they <laughs> even if they meet somewhere, you know, just because the way, you know, the way things are, Connor probably wouldn't want that fight.
1: So yeah, like that the, that Holloway fight um that you're talking about, I didn't like I don't know. That that just seems like so long ago right well, know, almost I, 10 years but i think it's so yeah. more well maybe it might may be right around it might be right around 10 yeah years. Maybe, almost 10 yeah years. maybe 10 yeah almost 10 years but like just it just it doesn't seem like to me and and this this happens as you get older where time just <laughs> yeah. goes by so much faster because it's such a smaller part of your life every year and i just look at that and i go now nah, yeah halloween mcgregor eh, five years ago no 10 years it's crazy. well the pandemic warps everything too yeah Uh, all right let's get back to this card so uh the moreno fight i'm excited to see that uh i I enjoy watching moreno fight a lot and like i said there's a little bit of that mexican pride in there um uh robert whittaker he's uh facing duplesis and duplesis if i'm saying that correctly duplessis Duplessis. almost like a dupree in ufc it's duplessis he that's his pronunciation sounds like a uh (laughs) like a harry potter character or something, the way that his <laughs> yeah. name reads but uh he's been on quite
3: a role of late Yep, yeah he's honestly like middleweight is interesting because a beat most of the top contenders and but he's never faced uh Dreykus. so this is a big one because he, he him and whitaker have already fought a few times so if du- Duplessis uh wins this fight um he, especially if he gets a finish i think that i think you go immediately to that to that title match um you know he's he's uh you know he's on a six seven fight win streak five of them in ufc so um you know he's he's a guy and and gets a lot of finishes and he's a guy that gets tougher as the fight goes on so he usually loses the first round and then he, he comes comes on stronger in the second and third so he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on and i'm really really looking forward to this fight a lot and whitaker's been or, or as uh, Dave calls him, Bobby Knuckles, <laughs> is uh, one of the you know top middleweights. Ryan called him the most underrated fighter of all time, of all God. time on our show. On our show, yeah, like he's a guy like when you talk about all time greats, no one ever talks about him, but they really should. So yeah, um, you know he's uh, he's a guy that you know is just kind of never in that goat conversation, but maybe should be. You know, because but he's just got the unfortunate thing of being in the same division as Israel Israel Asanya right now. Yeah, it's so. one of those fights where when I look and I go, oh, I don't want to miss
1: on this. I don't want to be late to the party. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Duplessis is just like a, a game changer fighter. And then I and I'm like, ah, I, I should have saw this one coming. But kind of to what Ryan was saying, it's it's it's
3: hard betting against Robert Whitaker. Like you it have is, to and he, really a- think about that he's a big favorite too. Um, and, and, you know, like former, former champion. I think he's only lost to Adesanya um, in since, since he's moved to middleweight and that's nine years ago. So yeah, in the last nine years, he's only lost twice and they're both to Israel Adesanya. So, you know, and he's got a lot of big wins in between there. Yo Romero, a couple of times, Derek Brunson, raphael Rafael Natal, Jacare Souza, Jared Cannonier, Kevin Gaslam. So, you know, he's just beating everybody except Adesanya. So before we move on and I, I want to hear yep. some thoughts on, on, you
1: know, what, what fights you're looking forward to that maybe the, the normal yep. mainstream public won't be looking to, and then we can get your, get to your best bets. I want to mention because we had a free week. Uh, we, it's free month on the Patreon, meaning one free show a week. We will, we, we will take uh, a show that's on our Patreon, you know, five bucks a month and, for YouTube folks, you could see the, the link there. But patreon.com front slash uh, Five bucks a month. You know, we generally have two to three shows in that feed every week. And for July, we're going to make one free a week. So you could cl- go to the website and just click on it and, and listen to it. And the first one that we did was this week, which was the Dynamite show, which you and Jeff Hawkins were on talking AEW. So I wanted to make sure people knew that, you know, they could check out your, uh, your AEW stuff. Mm-hmm. and it's it's free for this uh for this month in, in the feed and people can kind of check that out and listen to you and Jeff. Uh go up, you know, pretty much, you know, a few hours after the uh the East Coast version of Dynamite is done, you guys are up and with your review already.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um we uh yeah, we had a hell of a show this this past weekend and uh, or this past week, not uh not our typical one, because normally I'm the one that's all hyped up on AEW, and Jeff's <laughs> the one who brings me down, and we're, we kind of reverse roles this week. Oh, so he, was, so he liked the show a lot more than you did. He liked it more than I did, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it, it was, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so for on this show, um, UFC 290, I mean, we've talked about a couple of them, but um, the other main card fight that I think people definitely want to watch, and it, it's going to open the card, is Bo Nickel. Um, you know, we talked about middleweight, and he's a guy that you know they're kind of banking the future on. He's a couple years away from fighting for a title, but he's four and oh, he's an all American. Um, but he's also like just an incredible striker submission artist. He's just mowed through his first four opponents. The last three have been, you know, two of them on the contender series, which is basically UFC, and then his UFC debut, which I was at in March. And uh three three fights all won by submission, less than five minutes in total fight time in three fights. So and and it's a late replacement opponent that he's got, Val Woodburn, because his original opponent um Tashawn Gore uh pulled out earlier this week. So they pulled this guy from the regional scene and he's undefeated. He's seven and oh. So I mean I don't know a lot about him, but it's kind of a dangerous fight, it seems like on paper. But uh Nickel's still a huge favorite. Um, and then, of course, in the prelims, like you, you kind of want to tune in early and watch the prelims because the last prelim fight is going to be Robbie Lawler's retirement fight. You know, former welterweight champion, OG, going back to strike force and and early UFC, you know, the area you're talking about earlier. He was earlier. a
1: young dude. Yeah,
3: he was the first televised uh, cable UFC fight, I think, was him. And um, oh, God, I remember seeing it was on that, that damn sports show. Um oh yeah, Best Emp Sports Show. Yeah, yeah, with uh oh god, what was it? I, I want to say like Aaron Riley or something. Aaron Riley um, would
1: have been UFC 37.
3: Yeah, no, oh, 30 is it 37.5? 37.5 is Steve Berger. Steve Berger. that might have been Berger. the special that they re aired because it wasn't like specific I don't think it was live on that that note sword show. It was like a, a taped fight. So it might have been that one. I'm. I'm just so looking at his record. I don't. See he, did, he debuted in
1: the UFC. Now he had fought for yeah. a whole year before that, doing other stuff. But he he comes into the UFC May tenth, two thousand and two. So what would that have made him? He would have been twenty years old exactly.
0: Yeah.
3: So man, and, and that's twenty one years ago, and he's still going. And you know what? He's still having great fights. Like he's not the, you know, world champion contender or anything like that. But his last fight with Brian Barberino was just wild. It was a knock, It was just a knockdown drag. they just both punched the hell of each other till Lawler fell down, basically. And then the fight before that was that one with Nick Diaz, where he just just leveled. I think he landed like 300 strikes in that fight. And, and Diaz just finally quit. Like he literally just quit. In the, I think it was the fourth round. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was two years ago. So he's only fighting once a year because, I mean, you're 40 years old. You know, yeah. You so the, here's my worry.
1: Here, here's what I don't want. Now, Nico Price is is not busting through anybody's door these days. I don't want to be sad though.
3: I don't think you will be. I okay. think you're going to see a good fight. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I think you will. I don't. I don't think. Like you know, you may be sad. He he probably going to get knocked out but I think he's going to get, have some moments and he could win. He still hits hard. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'd love I just, to see him. I just don't want to see him. You don't want to see Frankie out. Edgar. Yeah, you don't want to see, exactly. yeah. Or, uh, you know, like Rich Franklin or Chuck Liddell. Like, yeah. Like when you say retirement yeah. fight, I get kind of nervous. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. But this is one where he decided a long time ago, this is going to be it. He's been preparing. And, and Nico Price, a good opponent for that because he could get knocked out. He's 15 and six, but you know, kind of a 500 record in UFC. So, um, you know, coming off two, three losses in his last four, five, five fights. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, prime for, you know, to to have a good fight, but maybe even be knocked out. So, yeah, I'm looking. Lost to Phil Rowe in his last fight. So, so that guy's not a world beater either. Then uh, the only the only other one I would ask people to keep an eye on, if you really, like, want to watch a ton of fighting this week and tune in early for the prelims, Cameron Samen is a guy to keep an eye on. He's mm-hmm. on the early prelims. He's 8-0. He's a bantamweight. Won a contract when he was only 21 years old on uh, Dana White's Contender Series. He's already fought uh, a few times, and uh, he's just um, he's just a fountain of charisma. He's from South Africa, but he's just so likable and great, exciting fighting fighting style. So keep an eye on him uh, in you know down the road. You're always I know you're always looking for these guys. Yeah, I like
1: I like to yeah. see who's kind of yeah. coming up to, who to keep an eye on because you know, with so much of this stuff on ESPN plus, you just yeah. go and watch all of their fights to catch up and, and make yeah. sure you can see all yeah. of it. So
3: definitely Cameron Seyman is a guy to keep an eye on. For sure. All right. Let's give uh, your three best bets for this sure. show. And and it's actually the top three fights. So oh, there you go. Yeah. Um and just the way it worked out this week. Uh so Drake DuPlessis. He uh, is a plus 300 underdog, which is great value. Uh, He won the only other time he's been an underdog. And uh, he's got a 58.8% ROI. So definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Brandon Moreno in the co-main. He's a minus 205 favorite, uh, 58.1% ROI. And he's got a four and one record when he's been a favorite. So that's getting good value there. And actually, even though I was talking about um, uh, uh, Rodriguez, Uh, My third one is actually Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, 48.8% ROI. He's a minus 435 favorite. So it's not a ton of value, but it's a safe bet. Um, And he's uh, never lost as a favorite.
1: And as I always ask you to do, just in case we have brand new listeners, explain your process here.
3: Yeah. So it's basically based on the history. Um, So I I just go with, you know, uh, every dollar bet, you're either get you're getting a profit of, for instance, in the case of Volkanovski, a 48.8 percent profit for every dollar you bet. So historically, if you've bet on Volkanovski in every single fight, you would have a 48.8 percent profit. So if you bet a hundred dollars, you're you're winning forty you know forty nine dollars uh, for every hundred you bet. So at least I got, and that's profit. So you're yeah. winning 149 on a hundred dollar bet. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, and and it tends to skew, like for the, you know, the guys with great records, obviously, because even when they're winning as favorites, they're winning. But a lot of times the guys, for some reason, some guys just do really well as underdogs, and Duplessis is one of those. So,
1: all right. There you go. Uh, UFC 290 Saturday night, Las Vegas. Paul Fontaine, uh, you and Ryan will be back, uh, what, Tuesday? Tuesday. uh, With In the Clinch talking about UFC 290 absolutely all right thanks to paul uh and uh, that'll be it from here
0: what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar